What is up, Graft Craft people? What's a cold hello, I suppose we can both say. It's still Dan, it's still JP, and it's still snowing. It might have taken a it's break a little bit. It's a beautiful hello is what it is. <laughs> it might have taken a break a little bit uh, over the last couple of days, but uh, tell you what, since uh, Tuesday morning, it is now Thursday. It is still kind of snowing, but it still isn't as bad here as it is in other parts of the state. Again, those of you who don't remember, we are in Michigan, and this is just the starting salvo of the winter season, even though we still got like a month before it actually hits winter. But you and I both went to Central Michigan University, and Central played Western last night in Sad a times. blizzard in the first half. It did not end the way I wanted it, though. No, it did not. But that's uh, I was trying to avoid that part of the game. Central, who uh, that's the thing, like they're not a great team this year. They're an average team that's going to win some games. They shouldn't win and lose some games they shouldn't lose. And two weeks ago, it was Buffalo and they won a game maybe they shouldn't have won. And then last week or last night was a game they probably should have won and they didn't win. You mm-hmm. know why? 26 turnovers through 10 games. I'm going to get the job yeah, done. Yeah, no comment. No. But what we can comment on was the absolute blizzard last night. I don't know if you saw any of the video, uh, but they definitely oh, yeah. were building snowmen in the stands, which helped, you know. The one guy was just literally, a, the one snowman was literally a snowman. It right. It wasn't the three balls. Mm-hmm. Like this had arms and legs and had a ball cap on his head. To get the art students out to the football games on a Wednesday night. Yes. But, but yeah, yeah so that, the snow isn't going to let up here. The snow isn't going to let up at a few of the games that we'll talk about uh, at some point potentially today. Uh, with what we're looking forward to. What we really want to look forward to what we're doing right now is it's the middle of the season, which means it's time to go back at least at the halfway mark and see how all these rookies are panning out. Now, we're not doing a full-on ranking of where rookies are at within their individual position group, stuff like that. We'll do that next week. But what we wanted to do was redraft the first round as if we were drafting for these teams from the 2022 NFL draft. All right. You let me kick this sucker off since I own the Jaguars then? Yeah, it's just first pick of the draft. They took Trayvon Walker. Who are they taking this time? Well, Trayvon Walker's not playing terrible, but I'm Mm -hmm. not taking Trayvon Walker. Okay. I surprised myself a little bit here because (laughs) the best rookie in the draft is also a player that I was extremely high on coming out of the draft. It's actually from Detroit, so go Michigan there. All right. Uh, it's Sauce Gardner, but I didn't go True. with Sauce Gardner. I went with the same guy that I thought they should have taken back in April. All right. I went with Icky, Ike McQuanu from North mm-hmm. Carolina State. Now, before people overreact on that here, let me just explain myself. <laughs> so my thought process is this. There's a couple things here. Probably three main points, and then we'll move on for the sake of time. Mm-hmm. One, you've already got your franchise quarterback, so it's kind of backwards to me. I always like to build a team from the trenches first and then get the quarterback as like a later piece that we can actually protect him, you know, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't struggle and he don't ruin his confidence. (laughs) So in the sake of not ruining the confidence of one of the best QB prospects that, to me at least, has ever been. um, (laughs) Yeah. um, I want to protect the guy, and Icky has played well, especially in the pass protection. Mm-hmm. Um, the second point I'd like to make is the, the positional value. <clears throat> I get it. Today's right. passing league and cornerbacks are super duper important more than they ever have been, but you still have to check the quarterback to me. A tackle is still the second most important position next to a quarterback. So the last point and probably the most important point for me is the fact that the longevity of the positions, man, like right. cor- cornerbacks windows of success is so much smaller than a tackle and their careers in general are generally a lot shorter. So 
I'm just going to take the guy that this makes the sense. He checks all the boxes. Mm-hmm. He makes the most sense to me. I get it. Sauce is technically a better player at this point. I, I still got to go tackle, man. Well, yeah. And when you're projecting a player, like, again, Sauce is playing better right now. He's, he's the best rookie so far, and it's a little preview for next week. But again, like you said, a corner is going to start tapering off in their you know early to mid-30s. A tackle, I mean, we just saw Whitworth. If, if they're well. lucky, man, usually it's right when they hit 30. I'm being optimistic. I mean, Sauce All seems right. like he might be able to hang on longer than others. Like Some guys will you know, strain in their late 30s. But a tackle, again, we saw Whitworth play at, like, what, 39 last year and do a pretty serviceable job for uh, the Rams. They'd probably like to have him again, <laughs> back again this year. But that's your first pick. So we both own the Detroit Lions, and we both kind of went with the same thing that they did before. And so this pick's staying the same. It's Aiden Hutchinson, because Hutch has been exactly what Detroit has needed out there on the edge. Right. And now I just said that Sauce is the best player in the draft. But, A, I mean, bias aside, like, to me, <laughs> if you're talking about – you know, that positional value, it's quarterback, tackle, edge rusher, then cornerback. Right. Those would be my big four in today's NFL. So, again, Hutchinson has the edge on positional value. He's also played well. Um, I, I could also agree the edge rushers, you know, the prime, the window of their prime is still larger than a cornerback's. So, mm-hmm. I feel good about it. I feel like you got to leave him there. Especially, yeah, I'm good with it. Yeah, and again, he's uh, sitting there probably about – for those of you who are interested in the analytics side of things as well, he's about the third guy right now on the list of uh, of edge rushers when it comes to pro football focus. And he's the top guy who's played more than like a hundred some odd snaps so far this year. So for a guy who's played most of the season, he's the best graded edge rusher at this point. Next team on the list is Houston. And this is where they make a little bit of a change because they took Jarek Stingley. And while Stingley hasn't necessarily been bad, he's been durable, which is a surprising thing from how uh, we were concerned about him coming out of college. You can't pass up sauce at this point. So sauce goes one spot ahead of where he did uh, last or at the beginning of the draft, rather than back when we did this back in April for real. And uh, the Cincinnati boy goes to Houston and even and he's probably more frustrated in Houston than he is in New York, but that's a huge help to that defense because they need help at every level on both sides of the ball. And he's been grading out well in coverage. He's been doing a great job of coming up and, and, you know, tackling well. So sauce Gardner only going third because the two teams in front of them had bigger needs at the bigger spots. Yeah. I'm on board with it. <laughs> Moving on to the jets right there. Trayvon Walker is probably the pick for them. They're super annoyed that sauce just went. I don't think they feel good enough about Stingley to pick him up at this point again he's had an okay season uh but as much as they need help on the secondary they also need help rushing the passer and that's an area that they could really use a hand and i almost went tackle with this as well because that's another area where the jets definitely need we're trying to stick to uh how guys have performed this year not gaming the system to be like oh well the jets had a bunch of injuries at tackle so we'll give them a tackle i i could say that the jets probably needed a tackle even without people getting injured uh, but that's one of my top beats for them for this 2023 draft because they keep getting injured. But right now we'll go Trayvon Walker, who, again, even though he's not playing as well as Hutch, which we both projected at the beginning of the year, he's still having a solid year and the Jets need some help in the pass rush. Things up to you now. Well, but I'm about to talk about a team that's not going to be picking anywhere near the fifth pick next year because <sighs> they're so good. They're so yeah, what, good, what team dude. might that be, JP? The great New York Giants, man. Great is a uh, relative term. Big blue. Big boo. Oh, man. 
I had a big boo for the big blue. Such a hater. Go on. This is going to be the biggest riser um, in the entire draft. Okay. This is a guy who went in the fifth round out of Texas San Antonio. No, talking about. Mm Mm-hmm. Tariq Woolen. The Seahawks Mm -hmm. nabbed him in the fifth round, man. This is a long, long corner at 6'4", 210. But, Dan, this guy, he's got like five five picks, which has got to be pretty close to leading the league. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's got to be top three or four in the league in picks, and he's doing this as a rookie. Um, And he has that type of length at the position, and he's fairly speedy as well. I I don't Mm -hmm. know. I guess at this point, I'm just having a lot of fun bringing his name up because not only did we never bring his name up, but I never mm-hmm. heard anybody else who does any type of draft coverage bring his name up. Right. So this is this is fun because this yeah. is where I, I've always said that the best part about this is not only where I get to call us both of them, but the rest <laughs> of the world too. Tariq Wolin, man. Yeah. Uh, now, let's be honest. We've only got like a nine-game sample size, so he might not have any business being picked this high, but I'm only basing it off from what I know at this time, and mm-hmm. he's been balling out. So, Yeah, I mean, second in league in picks. Yeah, second in league yeah. in picks, he does have five. C.J. Gardner-Johnson has six, but still, right there is a rookie, and he's he's the type of guy. Now, we talk, we talk about corners maybe not lasting as long, but at 6'4", 210, he can shift into a safety role at some point if he maybe he loses a step somewhere. There's a lot of, of of options for what they can do with him as a player as they go through there. And uh, shout out to the Roadrunners having some talent come up in the first round. You got the next two. Go for it. Uh, Carolina, this one's pretty easy for me in a way because I already explained it. They're mm-hmm. actually going to do what you know the Jags maybe should have done. But I don't want to bash the Jags too much because you can't. <laughs> If Trevor Lawrence, even if your offensive line is terrible, if Trevor Lawrence comes along, you can't pass him. Right. But at the same time, that means now you're locked into fixing the O line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> fast track that. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's be honest, Carolina, ba- we're doing the draft in April based on what we know now. What I know now is all that crowded quarterback room we once talked about. <laughs> yeah, you can go ahead and evict all of them out right. of there. I'm good. I don't need any of them. Sam no, Ronald gone. Baker gone. Yeah. Maybe you could keep Matt Corral as a backup because he's just hurt and hasn't done anything yet. But right. Walker, get rid of them all. <laughs> um, so with that being said, let's start building this whole line here. I'm going to go offensive tackle Charles Cross out of mm-hmm. Mississippi State so they can do this thing the right way. He jumps up a few spots. He's had a decent season out there in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm Seattle. Dude, Seattle – I was dogging Seattle for so many years on the way they draft. I feel like they might have had – if we will, we probably will go back and redo these draft grades someday. But, dude, they, at this point, they do they have the best draft grade? I'm not going to give them the best, but they're certainly up there in the conversation. I mean, that whole team has been surprising this year, though, too. And so, I mean, good for them. Keep moving in the right direction with them. Go go ahead and get Big Blue out of the way, please. I want to stop Big talking about them. Big Blue. Even if they only have one pick, they're playing so well, they won't even stop. be picking at the seventh spot, man. Stop. Golly, and could you imagine how good they would be if they had the opportunity to draft Drake London? Admittedly, Daniel Jones would be a happy man. Well, his name isn't Daniel Jones anymore. It's Vanilla Vic. Haven't you heard? (laughs) No, and that's terrible. You need to follow the Giants. They're such a good team. They're entertaining. They play well. They're entertaining. 
They yeah. don't play well. I heard Daniel, I heard Daniel Jones talking about it. If he made some big cut or run or something like that, they'd have to start calling him that. And I guess Saquon's on board with it. Wow. I don't know. It's well, Vanilla Vic, I guess. All those guys are too young to remember Vic from the dark days of Vic. They probably just remember him from his comeback. So, Hey, it is what it is. But let's get back on task here. If Vanilla <laughs> Vic had a wide receiver like Drake London throw to, you know, a guy who I believe he's got like the most – targets in the league without a single mm-hmm. drop right now i don't know where i read that i know i read it somewhere it wasn't anything that i found but which is his, kind of impressive they, given his quarterback situation correct and the fact that he's a rookie and the fact that dude like his contested catches in college and in the nfl have transitioned perfectly mm-hmm. that's the reason i liked him so much oh there is bias here too he was my number one ranked wide receiver coming out right so he was my number one ranked guy because I liked the size. I liked the contested catch. Mm-hmm. I liked all that. Had a little bit of injury concerns, but everything's transitioned. He's doing the same thing in the pros he did in college in a way. Mm-hmm. So I love it. With that being said, you know, there's a couple other wide receivers who are pretty close to, you know, grading out as good as he was, but I'm comfortable putting him there. You know who doesn't love that pick? Probably the next team on the board. Who, yeah. Who might, who, who will definitely be picking before Big Blue next year. Well, that that's a safe bet. Uh, Arizona, Arizona, Atlanta had the next pick in the draft. They took Drake London in the original one, but with London going right in front, they're still looking in the wide receiver room trying to see who they can replace London with, and I think they go Chris Olave. There's a couple of wide receivers that have played well this year, but I like the way Olave has been playing with a weird offensive situation in New Orleans. He's kind of really stepped into that role that they expected Michael Thomas to have this year again, and so... As much as I don't like putting Buckeyes up this high, he's having a great year, and Atlanta needs help at wide receiver still. That doesn't change with Drake London going in front, so Olave goes nine to Atlanta. And Seattle then picks next. A nine. I'm off on my numbers. Eight. Seattle's nine, and they pick next. They're obviously annoyed that Charles Cross isn't hanging around for them anymore, and they've got some other needs besides just tackle. I feel like the other tackles might slide a little bit. And so we're going to go corner and give Derek Stingley over to the Seahawks. And I'm sure Pete Carroll would be happy to have a guy that's, uh, again, potential to be a lockdown corner at this level. Because, again, the knock on Stingley wasn't anything about his ability. It was, you know, he got hurt. Can he stay healthy? And he has so far this season. And he's played admirably on a really bad Houston team. Two things about Mr. Stingley here. One, Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it because this is where I mocked him. There you go. Final mock. So... You're making me right. Ah. I'm always on board. I'm always on board with that. Yeah, but everything but in New York. Would, would Pete Carroll like it? Would he love it, in your words? Because in this situation, he missed out on Tariq Woolen, which is a fun, interesting debate. Oh, if sure. Pete Carroll could go back, would he take Stingley over Woolen? That's a good question. Um, I think it's one of those things where I actually don't think. I think he would take Woolen over Stingley because of the type of bodies that he prioritizes. He loves the bigger yeah, guys. Like I mean, big, Sherman. Yeah. He would definitely take uh, Woolen knowing what he knows now. And that's the fun part about redoing these. Like I said, we're going to have guys. There are guys that fell out of the first round because we had guys jump up. There's there's some guys that arguably were borderline uh, not even drafting. There's one guy that I looked at that I almost put in our first round that was an undrafted guy that we'll be talking about next week. And so it's just it's fun to see how these guys play out. And that's why we enjoy this game, because it's not just players who look like they're going to be talented. It's other guys who make it make the most out of their opportunities. And one of those guys is Tariq Woolen, much to the chagrin of Seattle in this situation. The New York Jets, the team that's playing better in New York right now, or New Jersey, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> they are a little bit uh, 
happy that things have played out the way they have because they end up with the same player that they had in the draft back in April anyways, and that's Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver out of Ohio State, who's played pretty solidly. He's kind of that third wide receiver or first or second, depending on how you really want to parse through him, uh, between him, Drake London, and Chris Olave. And so the Jets are quite content to just sit there, take him, move on, you know, have it. Drake's nice a great. Drake did great. You're just now you're trying to make things rhyme and be ridiculous. Well, I did have a little bit of, you know, Dr. Seuss in me in the last episode. So did, indeed, we had some fun with that. We'll see if we can run that back at some point, too. At 11, though, it's New Orleans, and they're pretty annoyed because they had yeah. Chris Olave. Olave's gone. Wilson's gone. London's gone. I don't think there's another wide receiver that's quite at that level that they're going to be able to to pick here because of where players, players are at production-wise versus guys who haven't played yet. And that's why we're going to go corner and we're going to go Jack Jones from Arizona Boom! State, who second is second biggest riser and my guy from my Patriots. Yep. He is a huge riser. The Patriots have been very pleased with him. When you look at the fact he's played about half of the snaps for the team ish in that ballpark, but you look at his pro football focus and he's got an 86.9. Now, his tackling numbers, he's in the Deion Sanders range on tackling. So if there's something that boy can work on, it's that, but his coverage numbers, he's got a 90 on his coverage. And what that tells you from looking at all that stuff breaking down, he's only allowed a catch on about half of the targets that he's had. And he's basically, when you look at the quarterback rating, which is out of like a 158, not the QBR, he's only allowing like a 49 quarterback rating when guys are targeting him. And for a rookie corner, that's pretty solid. And the, uh, the Patriots are obviously ecstatic to have him. Uh, but in this case, New Orleans would be pretty pleased as well because they need a lot of help on both sides of the ball, too. You know why he's got such a high coverage grade and is doing better than all the other corners? Why is that? Because he's been playing football for a decade more. This guy's older <laughs> than Kenny Pickett. Look, we'll take it. That's the only That's the only knock that I have on Jack Jones is that he's an older rookie, and I hate mm-hmm. bashing him because, I mean, geez, they're way younger than us, but Right. At the same time, at that position, at corner, we already talked about the window of your prime is rather small on average. Now you're talking about already being older. So that's my only knock on it, but I love the player. Trust Give me, him a I couple contracts. A couple contracts, he'll be happy. <clears throat> yeah, love the player, though. Detroit's up next, and we had a little bit of a debate on this one because, again, the two of us share him. Is like, could we put a player in here that hasn't even played yet this year? And we kind of just said, yes, we're going to do that. Keeping JMO. Well, the re- the reason why though for me, it's like when I did my per, what who would I take when we we're here? Remember, I would have taken Kyle Hamilton, and right. I didn't give it a whole lot of thought. Like maybe I would still do that. I, I honestly don't know, but you know, like if it's hard to say, like the same reason I couldn't say Detroit wouldn't take him because he hasn't played yet. Mm-hmm. Like, but this is what we would do. But like, how, how would I reasonably say that a different team should take him when I don't know anything about right. him yet? Like, yep. So I don't know. It's a weird one where we didn't, this is the only pick in here where we didn't follow the rules with all the other picks because the guy hasn't <laughs> stepped on the field. So it's like, right. Let's just leave him there. Mm-hmm. But again, just like, I probably wouldn't have made this pick on draft day, but Right. We'll see, again, we'll looking we'll at who's, yeah, looking at who's out there, looking what needs Detroit has. Uh, again, this is something we expect when he actually does get to the field. Uh, is going to be another game changing weapon for the Lions, oh, and he will further prove whether or not they need a new quarterback. And he's going to open things up for Saint mm-hmm. Brown. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not bad. Like, I would, I'm excited to see Jamal right in this offense. I really am. I'm just being honest, trying to say that that's not the pick that I would have made, but I'm sure. still stoked to have him. 
Yeah. The one piece outside of maybe quarterback, depending how you feel about golf, that Detroit's missing right now is that over-the-top threat, and that's exactly what Jam will provide when he gets there. Next team up, Philadelphia. They're pretty content staying where they were at. They're going to keep taking Jordan Davis, the uh, tackle that you said would be a pro bowler this year for Georgia. And while he had a little bit of a rough start, he has been coming on pretty strong lately. And he's basically proven what we expected, that he is the best interior lineman that got picked up in the draft this year. And again, he's been he's had one, I would say, bad game, and the rest of them have all been at least average or better so far and that's going to continue he doesn't have a ton of those counting stats and so you could definitely see this maybe not ending up as something where he's going to be a a pro bowler just because of how they they go about doing that stuff but jordan davis still looks like he's an absolute solid pile of human to stick on the defensive line for you know, for a long time to come down there in philadelphia next up is baltimore they're pretty content too they're going to take kyle hamilton the safety from notre dame that they got uh, early on in this draft, man, well. we're we, we're on a bit of a run of keeping things the same, huh? Three in a row, unlucky. Three in a row, it. five five total picks remain the same. And again, Hamilton has mostly been in a backup role still with the the Ravens. He hasn't really started. He started to kind of play middling starter snaps the last few games. But when you look at his overall the rating and everything, he is the highest rated safety, and he's you know, by far the highest rated safety even though he's only played about you know 250 of, what, 700 snaps right in there that teams are roughly on. So, again, good pickup for Baltimore. They stay right there. They're pretty content with it. Even though they definitely need a wide receiver, I still think they're going to keep Hamilton in that spot. I'm going to continue on my tear. i got three more picks in a row. Feel free to chime in. Yeah, on any you're on an absolute run <laughs> right now, man. Well, Houston picks next. And while I'm sticking with the offensive line for Houston, I'm not going with the pick that they made partially because well mostly because he just hasn't graded out well yet and this this is very early on this could easily be something that changes uh, but Kenyon Green has graded out as the worst rookie interior lineman so far in the NFL this year and again early days bad team a whole lot of things that they could easily turn this this around for Kenyon Green but so far rough start for him so I'm going to pass on him and grab the guy who's had the best grade which is painful for us because he's a Packer but he wouldn't be in this case because yeah, he's in Houston. You know, what's beautiful about this is because mm. now that you said he's a Packer, I definitely know who you're talking about. You're who am talking, I talking about, about one of my the third biggest riser in our little thing so far. Mm-hmm. But he was one of my I'd have to go back and look at my rankings, but I was very high on him and he was one of my biggest sleepers. He came he's a demon deacon, but I'll let he you is. take it from there. Yeah, yeah Zach so I Tom. like the idea. Yeah. I like him a lot. Yeah, and again, he's played well. He's been, and and when you look at the Packers and the issues they've had in their offensive line with their tackles and things like that, sometimes that can trickle down to the interior with the guards too. But Zach Tom has been an absolute, you know, just stalwart so far on that offensive line for a team that's still trying to figure out its identity this year. His run blocking grade has been average, but his pass blocking has been spectacular. And if there's one thing Aaron Rodgers wants, it's that. He's only given up one sack so far and like, three two three here he was a fourth round pick too yeah and a fourth round pick that uh, will be owned in the first round right now because that's a spot that houston needs help with along other spots obviously uh on that offense but he's going to be somebody that can help keep uh you know davis upright but that's in this fantasy world that we live in where you know we get to redraft halfway through a season and switch people and teams another player that gets switched teams is the next one on the list and that's washington Washington originally took Jahan Dotson. Well, Dotson hasn't been playing poorly necessarily, 
Uh, it doesn't seem like that's the biggest need that Washington would have. I think they need to generate some pass rush. And I think this is where Kayvon Thibodeau stops his slide. So he, there he was, goes. what, pick Still five? made it in the top half. Still in the top half, barely. Uh, but again, he's... Literally at the half. Well, he, he just seems like the kind of player that would just be the kind of guy that Washington would have on their team, like complete and total question mark where he's going to end up. Because again, the talent is undeniable. We even with what Thibodeau has done so far this season, he has unlimited amounts of potential, and that's one of the things that people were kind of tempted by him. But he's still not putting it together yet. It hasn't been bad. He's got a sack. He's got some hurries. He's got a decent, you know, coverage grades. His numbers have not been bad, but it's also kind of one of those question marks of he's had a couple games where he's been tackling poorly. And so that's always been the question with Thibodeau was, does he have the desire to play this game at a high level? And the question, I mean, it's still kind of the jury's out on that still. I'd say Washington is not too upset with picking him up, though, in the middle of the draft and then grabbing a wide receiver at some other point. This was worth the value and worth the the risk. I mean, my only thing with Thibodeau is, well, there's two things, really, like, the reason I think that the the slide is accurate in the way it would have actually happened and warranted, if you will, is because like I, I the reason I I had injury concerns of them coming out of Oregon. It always mm-hmm. seemed like there were minor injuries, nothing serious, but just enough to hold them out of games. And I questioned whether or not that was because he was maybe treating it like a business decision. So it's like, sure. is he hurt or is he not hurt? Type thing. So mm-hmm. then it led me into the second thing. Like if he is doing this, like, man, is this a guy who loves football or not? Or is he really just trying to treat this like a business and maybe he does love it? I don't mm-hmm. know. But I have questions about injury concerns and passion for the game. And now that I know what I know, the injury concerns continued right on in. And I still ha- don't have the answer about whether or not this guy <laughs> loves football. I feel like based on some of the energies brought and some of his, his commentary, like maybe he does, but the injuries are still there. So mm-hmm. it's scary. Like if I had to go back and redraft it, like I would be very reluctant to draft him higher than this. Sure. And that's the thing too, is like, we're not knocking him for having a business like approach to football. I mean, Hey, look, everybody has that approach to their jobs at times. Like I don't do the job because I love it. I do it because what it can provide for me or whatever. And so certainly not knocking him if that's where his mindset's at, but that is something to take into consideration when you're picking a franchise player that's supposed to be the face of your team for a decade plus. Well, one team that was pretty happy with their pick and how things are shaking out in our redraft is the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, again, we're not accounting for all of the injuries as they once again feel like they've got a hospital ward down there in Southern California, but they're going to keep Zion Johnson in there, the guard from Boston College. He has had a pretty solid season, as we kind of expected he would. He is a very good interior lineman and a very good player. He hasn't been amazing yet. Uh, Part of that probably because he's been playing, it seems like, with different partners next to him on the line quite a bit this year. Uh, And so he's somebody who, if you want to make an argument for a couple other guys ahead of him, potentially you could. But when you look at all the numbers together, he's the fourth graded interior lineman right now in the in the rookie class and so that's good enough for me to say yes this guy might continue to keep getting better and again anchor that part of the line for a long time to come you get to talk about some cows i do but we're one pick <laughs> past the halfway mark and i feel like we should probably have our little halftime beer break oh you want to do that all right well hey well we'll come yeah. back to this with 
Pittsburgh on the clock or send Tennessee on the clock rather and see if they're going to make some fun choices. But what we decided to do as we've talked about this now, we just sort of switched up what we're doing for our, our beer breaks on these preview episodes. And obviously this is a weird one. It's not completely, totally a preview, but we're going to talk about beers from colleges, college games that are coming up that we're looking forward to. And we're trying to come up with this one's we're giving ourselves a little more leeway because one, there's a lot of colleges all over the place, which gives us more entry into different parts of the country. But two, uh, we can't always get those beers here. I had a heck of a time trying to find a Texas beer for you know our beer battle coming up on the NFL side of things for Tuesday. We're going to stick to the West Coast for this one because the Pac-12 is where the ranked matchups are this week, JP. There's Utah and Oregon, and there's USC and UCLA in the Battle of California and Southern California down there in that place, that L.A. city that I try not to go to. Let's talk about some beer from the coast. All right, man, let's start with the game that I picked. Let's start with this Oregon-Utah game. Okay, I guess completely not the coast, but Oregon is. Utah's coast adjacent slash over in the middle eh, of nowhere. We get it. They get it. They're part of the Pac-12. So we'll st- I'll start with with uh, Rogue Owls out in Newport, Oregon. Um, we've talked a lot about them, and I didn't realize that until I picked this game because I was like, mm-hmm. dang, I can't necessarily run out and go grab one to have and give like a very current – uh, review of because mm-hmm. we've done it a lot. So I, I had to go with something that I have had in the past and I had to look back and I wanted to cover the uh, Dead and Dead, uh-huh. which is a, a Bach. Um, I actually enjoyed it, <clears throat> excuse me, quite a bit. Um, it's, it was, there's nothing over the top about it. It's, it's mm-hmm. like, what are the, what is the, I forget what I'm looking for, like your control group or your baseline, <laughs> like of what a Bach should be. Like right. it's just very light malty bitter ish Bach with a nice amber color um i don't know i just i enjoyed it there's nothing crazy i could say about it if you've had if you're someone who likes box and you want it to mm-hmm. be what a Bach is supposed to be this is this is a great beer for you i enjoyed it quite a bit but to just take the utah side of it and then i'll hand it over to you the utah man the odds were not with Rogue. I like Rogue <laughs> quite a bit, and I'm not a big Epic Brewing Company fan per se out in Utah, Colorado. But my goodness, am I a huge fan of the Big Bad Baptist? And there's <laughs> several, there's several, you know, renditions, if you will, of the Big mm-hmm. Bad Baptist. I know we've had like a pecan pie one. I've had a mint one. I've had a I don't know. There's a bunch of them that I've had, but for the sake of this, I'm just going to talk about just the big bad Baptist, the the base one, which is mm-hmm. my favorite one. Cause I get a little thrown off when I start thinking I'm tasting artificial flavors in there. It's just like, wow, this is, there's a lot of mint here or something like that. But uh, the big bad Baptist, this one, it, it comes in at 11 and a half percent and it tastes great. It's an Imperial stout. It's got that coffee vibe to it. It's very mm-hmm. strong, dark, smooth, like some people say it's boozy. I feel like they just tricked themselves into that because of the 11.5%. I don't feel anything boozy in that thing. I just think it's a dangerous bomber. And this is a bomber, <laughs> at least right. as far as I know. Because here in Michigan, I've never seen this in a four-pack. I've certainly never mm-hmm. seen it in a six-pack. It's only been just those little 22-ounce or whatever they are, bomber bottles. Sure. All the Big Bad Baptists, even like all those flavored ones I mentioned. But this one, Utah won this matchup for me. <laughs> yeah, well, when we're looking at Utah and uh, and Oregon beers, I actually had an Oregon beer last night to try to 
throw them into this. So I'm going to say that this is the battle that I would have now. I can't do what you did because I haven't actually had a Utah beer yet. So I have a Utah beer I'd like to try versus an Oregon beer I just tried, if you will. And I had a new one as we're getting into the snowy season. The Santa's Private Reserve 2022 from Dan. I got I got to pause you. I got to pause you. I got to call you out. Oh, go ahead. You have had one Utah beer. You had it with me. All right. Well, I didn't write it down that I've had it. Which one? Ah, yeah. The Big Bad Baptist Pecan Pie. Thing. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah. I do like a yeah. pecan pie. Apparently, a pecan pie pie beer. I also like. I just forget to rate it. So, uh, I will talk about the Santa's Private Reserve though, and I got the can right here. And what it says is it's a stout with natural tahini, tangerine, and chocolate flavors. Now, tangerine and chocolate makes sense in a beer. I've seen some of that there. It kind of seems like you own the chocolate orange route, but in the citrus. But tahini, are you familiar with tahini, JP? Um, I'm familiar with it, but is it possible to be familiar with something but not have a clue what it is? I know I have a little <laughs> thing. I know I have like a little uh, jar of mm-hmm. like seasoning or spices that I use to flavor whatever I'm cooking with. Mm-hmm. And I have like a chili tahini thing or something. Yeah, that's so an interesting concept. I know what it is, but I don't I have it. I don't know what it is. So, yeah, tahini you see a lot in the Mediterranean dishes because it's like a sesame kind of almost not quite paste, not quite liquid, not quite sauce. It's sort of in that thick sauce pasty sort of area that gets used a lot. It tastes great when you cook it with the right stuff or put it on the right things. But I've never seen that in a beer, especially not a beer that was trying to do holiday stuff. But hey. Still nope. tasted pretty good. I gave it a 375 last night. I thought it was pretty darn solid. And it very well fit the environment and what I was doing, looking outside and seeing snow. And I'm still seeing snow. The one that I put up against it is from a brewery that I don't even know how to pronounce over in Utah. It's either Uinta, 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 or Uinta. I don't know. It's U-I-N-T-A. It's a brewing company out in uh, Utah that apparently a whole bunch of people have tried and rated and I have never heard of it, but it's the Crooked Line Labyrinth Black Ale is the one that I'd be trying. It's an American Imperial Stout. It's a 13 percenter and it's also a bomber. It's a corked bomber. Uh, and so that sounds like a fun one to throw up against your bomber. And we just bombs away here and see what happens. But I, I, I if I had to guess, I'd say Utah would probably win this one as well. As far as the football game goes, no, that's another story. That's going to be a good one. And it's at Oregon. And Oregon's probably pretty toasty after losing to Washington at home last week. They better come out with some energy. That's for sure. What game did you pick, Dan? I went with the uh, Southern California matchup because it's about the only other one that had two ranked teams in the United States this week. And that's USC, UCLA. Huge game for both teams. If USC wins this, it pretty much means it's going to either it's going to be a USC uh, Oregon, Utah. So the winners of these two games will probably be the teams that meet in the Pac-12 title game if it's USC. If UCLA wins, now you're looking at whoever wins the Utah-Oregon game having one loss and three other teams having two losses, and then it's just a mess for the end of the season. So that means we're talking California beer. And I kind of did the same thing when it came down to beer that I wanted to try and beer that I have tried. So the one that I have tried from California, and it's a great song, and it's going to get stuck in your head. It's the narwhal. Narwhals, narwhals. They're really tasty beers. But yeah, at any rate, it's an imperial mm-hmm. stout as well, as we keep rolling on that number. And they've done a couple different versions of it. The one I'm talking about is the base one, because that's the only one I've had. But it's a 10 percenter that doesn't taste like a 10 percenter. And it really is a tasty, tasty take on the stout. You know what's, you know what's amazing about that is on my little wish list, Mm-hmm. Here of beers to try. I have the barrel aged narwhal on there, and it brings it up to an impressive eleven point nine percent, which is just that's that's a wine bottle right there. 
You might you drink it and go it. swimming in the ocean. Little bit. A little bit commotion. Well, yeah, uh, you would be causing a commotion if you tried to swim in the ocean. Well, yeah, I can't swim, Dan. <laughs> I'd frantically be waiting. Yeah, well, you would. Yeah, you'd definitely be running on top. And the other one, because uh, we were talking about this at another time, they have a peanut butter cup narwhal too, don't they? Yes, that would be in the wish list as well. Yeah. I would just if they were side by side, though, I'd still take the barrel age. Yeah, I probably would first, but I'd I'd take them both. And, that's fair. Take You're home. right. You win. You win. I'll take them. <laughs> and home. and again, that's the thing. We we both like the barrel aged ones as well, given our take on bourbon and things like that. And now my other California beer on the list of beers that I'd like to try. It's one of two beers because they're kind of in the same family from Russian River Brewing Company, which I haven't tried a Russian River beer yet. At least not that I remember that. Not that I've documented. But that is a lot of great things. Right. Exactly. That's a brewery that we're definitely going to try to hit. I'm going to try to make a run out to California and say hi to some friends when it's cold here uh, just to see what I can see of the rest of the world when it's not fully winter feeling in other places. But Plenty of the Younger or Plenty of the Elder. Plenty of the Elder seems to have a lot more ratings. Plenty of the Younger, I'm guessing, is one of their offshoots of it. But those two beers, both Imperial IPAs, both sitting at the 8 to 10% range, both of them, you look on a beer advocate, insanely high ratings. And they're like a four, over a 4.6 on both of those. And so that's something that I feel like if that many people, and we're talking almost 20,000 people have rated these two beers, if that many people have tried them and liked them that much, it's worth at least seeing what the fuss is about. I'm with you. I, I If you go there, I'm going to give you some extra loot and you're going to bring a couple <laughs> bottles back for me as well. Of course, we're not doing so that. For, don't don't anybody talk about that. Uh-huh. I guess I can so, bring I can bring stuff back in my bag, right? That's not illegal as long as I don't try to check it through or run it through the uh, the yeah. security. We're fine. Yeah, you're fine. Um, for me, I did a different approach here, man. Okay. So usually we find a a state or states, if you will, and you pick one brewery and put them head to head with another brewery. Maybe we've done this. I just don't recall it. I'm going to do two beers by the same brewery. Ooh, okay. Throw down. Yep. Yep, yep. Um, unfortunately, these are beers that I could not find, but I've had several times, but I haven't found yep. them in a couple of years, so I'm rather sad. So if you're in California, swing by Al Smith and be like, yo, did you stop <laughs> distributing outside of your state or what's going on? You don't go mm-hmm. to Michigan anymore? It's not fun. But anyhow, so I'm going to start with uh, the Speedway Stout. Uh, uh-huh. We talked about some that had some impressive ABVs. This one comes in at a Tom Brady 12. Okay, then. So it's packing a punch. This is an Imperial Stout. It's a double Imperial Coffee Stout. Mm-hmm. And I'm not kidding yet. It, it, this one, and I like coffee. I know you don't like coffee, but right. I'm not a huge coffee beer type guy. But, man, they did this one well. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I remember like reading something on the bottle where they talked about the amount of coffee that's put into this when they brew it. And it was just alarming. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh man, like, is there any like caffeine check? Does caffeine go into this? Like, I didn't know. It's like, is this an energy drink beer? Like, <laughs> I don't even know if that's possible, but I was like, holy mm-hmm. cow. But anyhow, I absolutely love this thing, man. It is super dark. It's super strong, super smooth, lots of coffee in there. And it's just really good. It's I actually think you would even really enjoy this one, <laughs> not even being a coffee fan. Mm-hmm. So the other um, the beer that I had from Al Smith was called My Bloody Valentine, ah. which has which has a rather creepy name. But what's even scarier now that I'm looking at my notes on it is it's a My Bloody Valentine, and it's six point six six ABV. Uh-huh. That's intentional. Think Maybe. They, think they, yeah. Scary how that works. Pretty good chance. But this is 
you could probably guess based on the name. This is a a red ale. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm just gonna get to it and say that the Speedway Stout won this matchup for mm-hmm. me, or would win if I had them head to head. But I have to say this: I'm red ale is not my style of mm-hmm. beer, not one of my favorites, if you will. But this thing was incredibly good, and it had a weird sweet taste to it, which is not my style either. But it was very smooth. It was like a dark red. I, I don't know. It's just impressive to me, man, because it's to think that it was even a close battle. Like, it, even though the Speedway Stout won, this My Bloody Valentine might very well be like the best red ale I've ever had. <laughs> so you basically just have a thing for Alesmith, don't you? I think so. I've only had like three beers from them. But, you know, when most people think California breweries, you hear the Sierra Nevadas, you mm-hmm. hear the Lagunitas, you hear, you hear all those, right? Right. I in my stone, you hear stone mm-hmm. in my mind. I like, I'm like, dude, Al Smith might be the best. And I say might be because I've only had a few, but they're really good. <laughs> like, I haven't had a bad beer by them. Like, they might be like the California version of Prairie. Well, there you go, then. So we'll see. Good chance. We'll see. And I just want you to know they also have a Vietnamese coffee bourbon barrel aged version of the Speedway stuff. I mean, on all of this, let's go. Hey, <laughs> when you know go what to that Cali, means. bring right. that too. Man, I got a wish yeah. list now. I'm gonna have to buy a new suitcase just to bring beer back. A beer case? A beer case. Let's see if I can find a yeah, beer that's... case. We're gonna see if we can find a uh, second half of our draft here. Anything else you want to talk about on beer before we get there? No, I think we went on. Well, who, who have you got? That. UCLA, USC. Who you got in that one? Oh, I didn't even pick between the other one. Let's start I'll do at that the top. Too, real quick. Uh, Oregon and Utah. <sighs> you know, I love Dalton Kincaid. Where's the game at? Where's the in game Oregon? Play? Ouch. I guess I'd have to go with Oregon for that. Otherwise, I was going to try to go with my guy Dalton. But, yeah, I got to go Oregon. What about you on that one? Yeah, I agree with you. I think Oregon is angry and will find a way to to get the win at home this time after blowing it last week. All right, then who we got in the next one? What's the home team? USC, UCLA, right? Yeah, well, where's it at? You didn't tell me. It's at UCLA? Well, I mean, it's it's in L.A., so, I mean, I don't necessarily know yeah, that it matters too much. Yeah. I'm going to go with the, I'm gonna go with the Trojans. It's at the Rose Bowl, so I'm gonna go with the Trojans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, I think I agree with you. UCLA has been kind of exposed as a team that doesn't really have a great defense. And if there's one thing USC does well, it's move the football. So yeah, I think we can both agree that uh, UCLA is probably losing that one, and that Oregon's probably winning the other one. And then we'll see how that goes. We don't have to worry about betting on those games, which is good because I'm still annoyed they ended up four to four last time. But that's okay. We hey. had a few ties last game. The last uh, show. All right, let's jump into the second half of this draft. And you are up. The Tennessee Titans are on the clock. Second half minus one because you're going to wow. break it at the halfway point. You got a little overzealous. Wow. And you did get overzealous because you actually thought this was Pittsburgh on the clock. And you know why you thought it was Pittsburgh? Because I took a player that Pittsburgh took. Aha. It took in the second round. A guy who should have gone in the first round. People were scared about injuries. Right. And I said, if this guy were healthy. He's the most talented wide receiver in this draft, even above mm-hmm. Drake London. I think the world has come to see that because mm-hmm. if we talk about the three wide receivers we've already mentioned, then we bring in George Pickens, who I'm talking yep. about here. For Who's had the most wow catches? It's got to be George, right? Right. Yeah, he made some – he made some like you stop chewing what you're chewing or saying what you're saying just to kind of wait for that replay to see if you saw what you saw. Right. But, um, <laughs> yeah. George Pickens, man, phenomenal pick. And guess why Tennessee really needs George Pickens, Dan? Is it, is it because they traded away A.J. Brown? Uh, 
I thought about going on a whole tangent and derailing our whole episode here <laughs> saying, you know what? Tennessee's not picking here, Dan, because I'm not trading the pick. Right. Well, Could I have done that? No. Would that have broken the rules? Why? Yes. It would definitely have broken the rules because then the Lions wouldn't be picking th- near 12. You know, the other stuff that happened. No. It's like, no, you're not. You're not... So we we, we could have done that, but nope. we didn't say we were going to do that. I just thought about saying Tennessee's keeping A.J. Brown. We're not trading him. Right. Well, no, you're not doing that. I know you want to do that, but those so are things we're not doing. No, they're agreed. But if they end up with George Pickens, they'd probably be a little happier than where we are right now with Traylon Burke. No offense, Burke. You're just not quite there yet, buddy. New yep. Orleans, though, is going to settle right into the next pick, and they'll be content to take a guy. And I'm kind of doing the same thing we did with the JMO rule, where it's a guy who hasn't played much this year. Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa with a tackle who's just now getting activated to try to get back in and play some. This dude has a mean seven. streak a mile long. Sorry, I just hollered seven. <laughs> I was thinking out loud. I was just like, oh, that's the seventh player that is still the same. Sorry. Yeah, there you go. Appreciate that. And I talk about derailing, man. You threw me off. Can't even understand what you're saying over there. Trevor Penning, though, yeah. Northern Iowa tackle. And again, he's a guy that uh, you love and I like as well because he just has that. He, he plays a little too far maybe after the whistle, uh, but he's definitely an intense competitor. And when you're on a team that's searching for identity, somebody like that is something that can help your team out. Plus, New Orleans needs some help on the line. They got to keep their, I don't know, their backup, third string, whatever quarterback they're trying to play right now, upright as they're going through what is a very tough rebuilding season for them. Now it's Pittsburgh. Go ahead. Pittsburgh is on the clock now, Dan. They're not getting Uh, George Pickens, though. They're not getting George Pickens, but I'm perfectly fine with that because everybody – I cover Pittsburgh, obviously, Mm -hmm. but I've talked about how I can't tell if Kenny Pickett's bad or if Najee Harris is bad or what (laughs) it is because the O-line is so bad. Mm -hmm. So bad. So – I'm going to give him a tackle here. Evan Neal, obviously, he hasn't been one of the best tackles in this draft. Get, well, that's obviously why he's going down at the 20th spot here. Mm-hmm. But you know what he is? But you know what he would upgrade on? It was some of that old line. Fair. I'll give you that. So <laughs> I'm going to put Evan Neal here, try to fix that old line, give, mm-hmm. you know, to continue with my consistency of building in the trenches to protect the young quarterbacks that you draft sure. instead of having them running for their lives out there. And maybe create some holes for the star running back that you have. Yeah, you can wait mm-hmm. on a wide receiver, man. Well, yeah. I would like to point out that so far, Evan Neal is the lowest graded tackle in this draft class. It's fine. Small <laughs> sample size. Small sample size. We're all the way down at 20. Okay. I'm fine with it. I, I I refuse to say, like, even though he hasn't played well, I refuse to say that eight, nine games, whatever it is, defines how the player's career is going to be. And guess what? Compare him to some of the offensive linemen on Pittsburgh. It can't be much worse. I compare you to some of the offensive linemen on Pittsburgh. It might not be a whole lot. I could probably kidding, do. But yeah, that's true. You get oh, leverage man. on him. Let's go. Let's go. I'll do <laughs> it for it. half the pay. Let's roll. Pickett can see over top of you at least to throw, so that'd be good. You can. I mean, I'm not even as big as the kickers, so I can't really complain. But uh, as we're moving through the next pick, Kansas City is up, and they're actually pretty content too because they're going to stick with the pick they made, and that's Trent McDuffie, the Washington Eight. corner. There you go. Eight Sorry, different picks so here. far. <laughs> yeah. No, again, eight different picks so far. They've stayed the same just because of how they've fallen on the boards. McDuffie has been, and again, you and I weren't a big fan of this guy coming out. We thought he was a second especially or third me. round. Yeah, especially you. We thought he was more of a second, third round guy coming out, but he's played all right. He hasn't been amazing, but he's been very solid. When you look at his overall grade, I mean, he's the fourth graded player right now. Kind of tied for fourth with uh, 
with some other guys uh, that uh, we aren't going to talk about right now, but probably could have been in the conversation too, depending on how you look at how things have shaken out. He hasn't made a ton of plays yet. This is really the big thing with him is most of his season, he's not been healthy. So he played in the first week and he didn't play again until the nine weeks, nine and 10. But when he's played, he's looked pretty solid so far. And uh, Kansas City can definitely continue to benefit from him. Next up, Green Bay. They took Quay Walker. What are we giving the poops? You know, you might have to do this one because this is a player I really like, and I don't want to put him <laughs> on the Packers team. So you might you might have to take this one for me, Dan. Okay. Well, we decided to go the the linebacker route, and while Quay Walker has played relatively well, his tackling grades have been solid. Um, his overall score wasn't quite as high as a guy that we both like better, and that's Devin Lloyd. And Jacksonville was going to be super annoyed <laughs> that we decided to give Devin Lloyd to Green Bay. But when when you're looking at where guys are at and how they've been producing, he's been producing. He has 53 tackles already on the season. He's played the most snaps of any of the linebackers out there. And again, that's probably because Jacksonville definitely needs bodies out there. But he's done a decent job across the board. His his you know passer rating hasn't been amazing. Uh, but his pass rush grades have been solid. His run defense grades have been solid. And that's what he was drafted to be. So he's doing exactly what I think teams expected him to do. And Green Bay would very much appreciate having him on their team. Yeah, and I'll chime in a little bit, I guess. But that's part of the reason why I thought this pick made sense. I mean, I know mm-hmm. he hasn't like racked up a lot of stat- sacks or pressures in the NFL so far. But that he, as far as the linebackers in this past draft went, like he he was one of the better pass rushing linebackers and mm-hmm. if you look at green bay in my mind their biggest needs were edge rusher and linebacker and here you get a little bit of versatility where you can use him in a variety of ways so right. i feel like it even makes more sense it made more sense on draft day to me than even taking quay walker so sure i'm just making the pick right i guess quay, quay right. walker played well though yeah he has he's played pretty solid better than i thought yeah, super annoying considering it's the Packers. But moving on to Buffalo, I'm going to keep them with the same pick. Eight. There you go. This is nine now. No, is it? You just said eight with Trent. Okay. This is nine. nine. You're correct. You're right. All right. My bad. <laughs> Number nine is Kyrie yeah. Elam. He's going to go from Florida to Buffalo, where he will get a rude awakening this week, by the way, <laughs> playing up in Buffalo with what could yeah. be a couple feet of snow falling on them up in that area. Hopefully they'll still be able to play the game there just because there's nothing better than a Buffalo football game in the snow for me when you're looking at uh, how the NFL goes. Uh, He hasn't had the best season so far. He's been solid. He's got a 60 for his grade so far. He's played about half the snaps. uh, And there are other guys who are, you know, a little bit ahead of him as far as the the pro football focus is concerned. But Elam overall has been pretty decent. His run defense is probably the area where he needs to, to pick up the most. But He's been pretty solid in coverage. He's got a couple picks already, too. And it's been he's not quite where Tariq Woolen's been at with his season so far, but it's been pretty solid. And that's exactly a spot that Buffalo needed. So leaving uh, Kyrie Elam in that spot for Buffalo. What are you doing for the Cowboys? You know, I'm going to be 100 percent honest with you. This is the first and only pick that I had to make where I was kind of torn, if you will, on what to do here. I Mm -hmm. almost went with 10 and left a Tyler Smith here. Mm-hmm. Who hasn't played the greatest per se? Right. But I also don't think they drafted him to be the left tackle because yeah. the other T Smith goes down with injury. But again, uh, what was the tiebreaker here for me is I take what I know now based on the rookies' play and then mm-hmm. rewind it back to April. And in April, the other T Smith was not injured. So I'm operating sure. off the assumption he's healthy. So that 
don't know. It would sit in saying that out loud now instead of just thinking it in my own head. You could make the case for Tyler Smith, but mm-hmm. nevertheless, I decided to go with one of my favorite players in this draft, and I gave them Tyler Linderbaum. And that's a man who's been doing work so far with Baltimore. This He's year. been playing well, and I like Linderbaum because he could play anywhere on that interior O line. And in my mind, the interior O line on draft day was a bigger need than, let's say, a right tackle because mm-hmm. Tyron Smith would be healthy right. in that situation. So um, I was torn, but I do feel very good about this pick. I think he'd be fantastic there. I really mm-hmm. do. I mean, you I, know, you one um, of my favorite players. You did it again, JP. What I do? You took the guy that my team was going to take the pick before. Oh, that's fine because they couldn't take him because I just did. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. Baltimore's well, they super could. irritated with you right now hmm. for taking well, Tyler Linderbaum. I, I don't, I don't like Baltimore. Yeah, well, Baltimore's pretty annoyed, but they are going to take advantage of one of my favorite teams and what they've managed to do with a fourth rounder, and they're going to jump up and grab a tackle from Southern Utah. And that's Braxton Jones, who has been nothing short of a surprise, I would say. The the Bears, you know, you come into a season with a team like where Chicago's at, and you say, we're going to start a fourth-round rookie at left tackle. This will be fine. It felt like it was going to be that meme with the dog at the table and the flames, right? But Braxton Jones is the highest-rated rookie tackle so far in the NFL this year, and that's wonderful for him to see and obviously great for Baltimore in this case because they didn't need help at just center. They need help across the offensive line. So grabbing Braxton Jones is is a great pickup for them. The Jets, you want to say it? Is this 10? Is this, this is 10? 10. This is number right. 10. Jermaine Johnson, edge rusher from Florida State. And again, he's another guy that uh, we both thought could potentially go top 10 when you look at how he, things were were breaking down. And I love here's, Jermaine Johnson. Here's what it is. Jermaine Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, he has not had the the counting stats yet this year because he's only played 113 snaps. But when he's been out there, he's got a 70 grade. He's the third highest graded rookie. Uh, of course, all of the top four or five rookies below or above Hutchinson are all guys who've only played like a you know 20%, not even of the season. Like they've been playing 10 or 15% of the snaps. But in his 113 snaps, dude's already got three sacks, a couple hurries to go with it handful of tackles. I mean, he's playing well when he's been playing uh, and he's been playing in, you know, a few of these weeks. He had a little gap there. We wasn't playing between weeks five, uh, between six, seven, eight. He didn't play. Uh, and he's only been playing rotationally. He's very much a backup right now for New York. He's only playing about 20 ish snaps a game, but I feel like the way he's been grading out and playing, maybe they need to start giving him a little bit more level and more playing time. So Jermaine Johnson, who fell quite a bit in the first, the real draft, if you will, doesn't necessarily fall in our draft, but goes right back where he was. And and New York is going to be very happy because they basically picked up two edge rushers in the first round and they're just going to be able to pin their ears back and go for it over there for the Jets. All right. You've got what? Pretty much the rest of this draft. So why don't you rip it out, buddy? Pretty much. But before (laughs) I do that, I have to say that you are a much nicer uh, evaluator than I am, apparently. Uh Well, there's a world where you you could argue that all 10 of the picks that stayed the same were all you. I mean, pretty close, I suppose. Really, it's just the I way mean, the draft board fell, of, man. Two of them I was involved in because we shared Detroit. Right. So technically, it was only eight for you, but technically, it was 10 for you, and technically, it was two for me. We just shared them. But Look, hey, the um, way the draft board was falling, it made sense to make those picks where they were. 
clearly I'm much I'm a meaner person. I'm like, you're wrong. No, you, you are a meaner job, person, right? We've always known you're a meaner person, so it's okay. GM's and the GM's an idiot. Um <laughs> sorry. Uh Rodrigo. Oh Jacksonville, baby. Did you just have a sixth rounder jump up to the first round? Rodrigo didn't go in the sixth. He he went in the sixth at 188. Nope. He did go there. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know. You could make a case that maybe he's the biggest riser because he might have jumped more picks than even a Tariq Woolen. He definitely jumped more picks than Woolen, but Woolen obviously so, yeah. being in the top 10. But Rodrigo, top-rated rookie linebacker so far. That's actually played. I know. I was going to say, you could even make a case for Green Bay to take him over Lloyd, but I couldn't dare do Rodrigo <laughs> dirty like that. Fair. I'm okay with him being a Jaguar. At least it's still a big cat. Right. Uh, so yeah, Malcolm Rodriguez here. Just, uh, I mean, plug and play him. Like you already, we already talked about how Jacksonville had a, a huge need for linebackers. Mm-hmm. I forget how we talked about that already, but we did. I think it's probably when we're talking about Devin Lloyd and right. how well he was playing for them. Now, I'd also like to point out that Rodriguez is grading out better it's than just, another guy. It's just Rodrigo. I forgot. Yeah, I Rodrigo said is ahead of uh, Chad Muma too. Yes, but Chad Muma's still fantastic. They can still take <laughs> Chad Muma later. Right. It's fine, but. Yeah, Rodrigo, plug and play. Love it. Don't even need to get into it. He's a monster. Like you said, top-rated linebacker, rookie linebacker the entire year. wonder how he is overall as rookies. It's probably pretty good. Uh, Green Bay. Um, I'm going to do Green Bay right. I'm going to do him a solid. I think you agreed with this, obviously, because we consulted on the picks that we share. Uh, There are a couple options, but we went with the highest-graded guy that we had back in April, and, you know, Jahan Dotson. Penn State, mm-hmm. yeah, in your line. You think that would calm Rodgers a little bit? Now we all know that I had, <laughs> I, I personally had Watson higher, but again, this is what we know now and then. And you could make an argument that, I mean, would Shahan Dotson's been dinged up as well, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't really hold that against him. And just thinking about, you know, we're the talent was and where the, the, the majority right. of the nation kind of looked at him. So we took a different approach with this one as well. Wouldn't you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that uh, one of the reasons why we give dots in the rating that we do is, I mean, the guy's been doing what he's been doing on a team. That's kind of been searching for an identity and a quarterback most of the season too. And I don't care uh, what you think about Taylor Heineke, as far as like being a greedy cult following kind of guy, Dude is not the most accurate passer in the world, and no. Jahan Dotson's still catching passes. So, yeah, Aaron Rodgers would be happy to have him on the team. With this next pick, with my second favorite squad with the Patriots here, I didn't do anything strange. See what I did there? Yeah. Go I on. went with what I still think their biggest need is. And granted, I don't know if you could argue that he'd be like that pure number one outside wide receiver, so that might be a little bit of a conflict of interest with Jacoby in mm-hmm. a way but it just feels right and it makes sense. I don't know why, but Alec Pierce just kind of feels like he should have been a Patriot. Yeah, okay. I'll give you that. And it and it pains me because I still kind of view the Patriots and Colts as rivals and the fact that he's a Colt kind of is a bit ironic. <laughs> but um, Yeah, but it's the I same way that you and I see the Red Wings and the Avalanche as rivals when most people are like, what? Why? Yeah, fair. And now it's funny because I don't see – the Red Wings and Bruins as rivals, and everybody does. And like, you can't like that. How could they be your two favorite teams? The rivals. I'm like, listen, the vast majority of my entire life, the vast majority, like 95% <laughs> of my life, they were not rivals. So calm down. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, anyhow, so yeah, your last pick of the draft. Take it, Dan. No, fine. If you got to make me do it. Kansas City is going to pick a guy that is a replacement for who they actually took. And that's because they took George Karloftis, which we were like, all right, not a bad pick. He seems like someone who could step up and have a pretty solid year and improve what they're looking at from a pass rush standpoint. And so far, George Karloftis is having what we would call growing pains. And I think part of it might just be him trying to figure out, you know, how he's supposed to play at this level and what they want him to do at this level. I think they're still trying to work things out. He did have a really nice game uh, this past week against Jacksonville, but overall he is one of the lower graded edge players that's out there right now. I mean, when you look at pro football focus, there's 32 guys that have got grades, he's 28th. And so that's just something that you can't really, you know, continue with. Right. And that's with everybody. That's not like guys who've played 20% of the snaps or whatever you do that. And he's 15th out of 16. So what I'm going to do is give them Arnold and beat, Ebikete, There you go. See, that's how good I am with names. Ebikete, though, is a Penn State guy. Don't, don't trust me with names. I don't right. know if that's right. It felt Solid, right. It felt really yeah, you right. said it confidently, though, and I appreciate that. Solid edge rusher. <laughs> He's pretty much the uh, the fourth guy who's graded out right now. Uh, when you look at those numbers from the edge standpoint and it's been a good season for him so far he's got he only has two sacks but he's got like 11 hurries so far and he's been a solid addition to what atlanta's needed out there so atlanta very happy to have him on the team kansas city would be even happier to have him on the team as they take him in the first round towards the end instead and maybe a little more production they've gotten out of Karloftis so far yeah that's the uh second nittany lion in the last three picks and i'm gonna uh-huh. go ahead and make it four Three of the last four picks. Sorry. All righty. It's painful because I really, really like Dax Hill because I think sure. he's a great player and I'm biased. Right. But go blue. I got to be truthful. Yep. Go blue. Hail to the victors. Uh, <laughs> Cincinnati, unfortunately, I got to give him Jaquan Brisker, man. Sure. I just have to do it. I have to do it. I, I like the I like the big physical style and how he's a like a the presence he brings with the pass rush mm-hmm. and getting in the backfield and. He's just a really, really good player. I mean, I thought that Dax Hill and Brisker were like borderline tied as the second best right. safeties in this because I love Kyle Hamilton and mm-hmm. I had those next two guys in the same ballpark. So this just feels right. I mean, safety was a need. They addressed safety. So in a way, this is kind of like half the same pick. I mean, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, I went with the same <laughs> position, just different player. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then and put a... in Dax Hill's defense, he has played well when he's been on the field, but so far he's played like 45 snaps. So you can't really do much off that. Correct. Correct. And I agree with that. I can't dog Dax Hill too much, but uh, to put a bow on the mock, um, ironically, I'm going to go safety again, which is the same position that the team also drafted. But again, I'm not going to go with the safety they took. Mm -hmm. And it's also not Dax Hill, which is still very sad. Dax Hill, which is still very sad. But, um, Jalen Petrie, man, from Baylor. I mean, you could almost argue you could almost argue that he has been the best safety from this entire draft class. I believe he's I think he's got the most picks. He's probably got the best pass coverage grade as a safety. Don't quote me on that. But I I know when I watch him play, he looks good. Um, I know I've read a few good things about him, but a very solid player. And I think Minnesota would be very happy to have him back there. But I also know they really like Lewis Seen, who they did take two, but Petrie's just been better. So yeah. here's what I can tell you about that take that you just made. 
Is it false or is it factual? No, it's it's your Sad. eye test versus the numbers. He is the second worst rated safety so far. That's crazy. Well below. See, and I Kirby don't do Joseph. this PFF stuff. I know. Whoa, so well Kirby's below Kirby been Joseph. Killing it. Yeah, could have taken Kirby's him instead. Been killing it, but but the only reason I didn't and I thought about this because I thought about Kirby Joseph for Cincinnati. The mm-hmm. only reason I didn't is because he's only started like the last two or three games, and I didn't know if that was a big enough sample size, which right. if we are going to do that, then we also know that Kirby Joseph was, I believe, my fourth-rated safety. Sure. Because the other two were tied. But I, you could swap that out. We could do it in live one right there, put Kirby Joseph for either one. That's your pick. That's fine by me. I'll let, uh, I'll let Detroit have Kirby Joseph still in the second round, maybe. <laughs> Well, just you know what I mean. Like I didn't yeah. know if it was fair enough to put Kirby in there. Like no, if, you're good. If Kirby continues, Kirby Joseph would be picked above Kyle Hamilton, who went <laughs> at the 14th pick. Sure. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Just Me is obviously very happy to have him. But Jalen Peachy, we can talk more about him next week when we do our kind of rating groups. We're gonna we're gonna break down. and We're still figuring out the exact format. Basically, we're gonna look at each of the position groups and kind of give you our top rookies and how they've been performing so far this year. So oh, we do, we're doing that taken. next week. Yeah, right. You I'm talked gonna... about it, we're making it happen. I'm putting it in talk about... sound waves. I talk about a lot of crazy things. You do. And we don't do all of them, but this one sounds good. You... We're going to do that. You know what else I want to recap before we put a, put a bow on this. Okay. On this bow it sucker up. here. Um, talk about a couple of the wild players. Not, we don't have to go in depth about them. Just mention their names real quick, but like the, the Quay Walkers or even the any of the running backs, Damian mm-hmm. Pierce or Kenneth Walker, just some of the guys that have been playing really well that aren't in our redraft. I mean, I could explain why, you know, mm-hmm. the the Pierce and the Walker the Walkers aren't in there. The Kenneth Walker. Because right. well, you and I don't do running backs like most people do, but right. Quay Walker might be the biggest snub. Would you agree? Um, I think he's up there on the snub list. I think he's probably somebody that we could argue is worthy of a first Kirby round pick. Joseph. the way he's Kirby played Joseph. Kirby Joseph certainly is as well. I don't think that there's anybody we really missed from the, the D line. I think as far as uh, other positions on defense, I don't know that there's another corner. I mean, cater Kohu for Miami has been playing incredibly well. Uh, I don't really know enough about him because that's your team. So that's my excuse for him. But he's a guy who stood out to me as a potential pickup that we could have made in the first round. So he's a guy who probably didn't get enough love. I mean, you can definitely say Kenny Pickett. I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that to you. I see what you do there. None of the quarterbacks. Tell you what, the the highest rated quarterback right now is Skylar Thompson when he had to step in for Miami. And then Bailey Zappi, who also wasn't a guy anybody expected to play, but it's only been those two, Kenny Pickett, Brock Purdy, and Malik Willis that have taken snaps this year. And so we were right. We were right to stay away from quarterbacks. And uh, running backs outside of of Pierce and Walker, Brees Hall okay. obviously would be in the conversation, Hall. but him getting hurt uh, kind of made it so we decided not to go that route. You know, and you could do another Packer player, Romeo Dobbs, potentially, but I don't mm-hmm. think so. But a, a guy that I wanted to make sure I mentioned when they did this little snub list, because, you know, I referenced that Seattle might have had the best or at least one of the better drafts, to my mm-hmm. surprise. But Abraham Lucas, man. True. Offensive yeah. tackle. He's, yeah, he's a third-round well. pick. That, yeah. He was another guy that was kind of like right on the cusp of somebody that I almost put somewhere. Uh, Abraham Lucas, and then also uh, got to give a shout-out to a guy that played uh, has been playing 
I think, a lot better than people maybe gave him credit for. Uh, and that is the guy who stepped in after the injury out there for um, another injury for the Chargers. And that's Jamari Slayer. Yeah. Slayer the, uh, or Salier. Yeah. Salier, I was called yeah. Slayer. For the was it sixth round draft pick. Sixth round draft pick that's come in and been the second highest rated. Uh, he has tackle. not allowed a sack, man. He's been playing incredibly well. He's given up some hurries, and that's about it. And that's mm-hmm. that's yeah. been a wonderful surprise for the Chargers. So at least they got something good out of all those injuries. But certainly those are guys who could definitely have been in the discussion for first-rounders. But again, if we were only basing it 100% off of these nine games and their production, just that and not what we still expect these guys to become, some of those guys definitely would have been in that conversation. So we want to give them some love. Next week, we'll talk more about all those guys a little more in depth. Anything else you're looking forward to this weekend? Oh, I'm always looking forward to a lot of things, but right now it's mostly just snow that I'm looking forward <laughs> to, but also maybe, maybe we should do this at the end of the year, do like a, after the season's over, oh, yeah. like completely over, like post Super yep. Bowl over, yep. do a redraft and see, compare it to this one. And in reality, what actually happened. So that could yep. be a lot of fun. Kirby Joseph's going to be on the list. Yeah, we're taking notes and we're actually referencing them now. So we have proof that we know what we're talking about or that we were hilariously off. And that's good. That's fun. The one favorite. thing I'm looking forward to this weekend outside of the snow, outside of those games in the Pac-12 that we'll watch late at night on Saturday, is I'm looking forward to the Detroit Lions putting the big blue in their place. Me and too. sticking it to New York. It's about time New York gets a loss. They've been playing too well. <laughs> Stop. All did right. you did you did you hear that that's like the the game that drew like the best commentary crew, which I don't know who that is because I don't do that. Okay. I listen to music. Right. No, that that's that's who a, is that? Who is know. the top? Who, who's I'm not the sure. Top? Well, now that I uh, saw the headline hit my phone that says Detroit and New York draws the top slot for the top commentary team or something like that. I'm like, okay, still not listening to it, but that's that's cute. Yeah, well, it used to be obviously Buck and Aikman. Now they're taking taking saying it's. I think um, it looks like Can't Kevin Burkhart. Yeah, Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson, Aaron Andrews, Tom Rinaldi is there. I do like team, Greg Olson. Yeah. I mean, we're usually looking at the, uh, you know, Chris Myers, Robert Smith kind of area, or maybe the Kevin Kugler, Mark Sanchez type vibe. But Jonathan uh, Vilma, too. I've seen him. Yeah. Vilma's ahead of Sanchez on their their prominence list right now. Cool. Just to give you. Because he didn't have a butt fumble. You know who the the, the lowest rated one is, right? No, I don't listen to him. Brady Quinn. Sorry, Brady. Well, what happens when you go to Notre Dame? Ah, and on that note. Anything yeah, you else gotta end you, me. JP? Nah, you gotta cut me off. Let's get out of here. Let's go enjoy the snow if you're in that part of the country. And if you're not, you should come join us. We'll catch you next time on DraftCast. <laughs>